Welcome back, everybody, to the Life Like a Movie podcast, where we talk about and bring on guests who can share with us what masculinity means to them and really create that definition of how we can bring masculinity into our lives, to bring it into leaders' lives, into our everyday lives, and create the life of our dreams, the reality that we want. And this podcast, as our listeners know, isn't just about masculinity, but today it is. And I have a very special guest on today, Martin Meze. I hope I said the last name right. And he's a, not just a men's coach, but he's a, a coach for men's coach. Um, although judging by his Instagram, he may not like that word. I'll let him get into that in a second. Um, so uh, what we're going to talk about today is what healthy masculinity looks like. And for anyone who doesn't know what the masculine and feminine energy is, because not everybody listening will, um, what is this? How can we cultivate these qualities and how this is affecting the leaders of today? Because this is a very big, important, important, important topic. So um, I'll let you take it away, Martin, just to share maybe your story, um, who you are a little bit, and, and more importantly for our listeners, why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Brett. And yeah, you said my last name perfectly on the first yes. try. So that's uh, congratulations. That's very, very rarely, very rarely happens. Um, yeah. So like you said, my name is Martin. I am a men's work facilitator and I'm a consultant to men's coaches. I'm on a mission to empower leaders of masculine transformation because I want to see what I call the sacred masculine is a very esoteric term, but what I just want healthy masculine values to rise up in today's society, because I think that we do need a healthier, more holistic view and leadership in our world today. I think that's evident to everyone. And um, that's the mission that I'm on. I have gone through a personal journey that was full of lessons around masculinity, manhood, self-love, um, and my place in the world. I've gone through uh, lots of challenges when I was younger. You know, the classic story of, well, first of all, I'm from Eastern Europe. So uh, I grew up with a very sort of macho, strong masculine, man shows no emotion, man drives expensive car, has wife, trophy wife with, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag type of image of masculinity. And that caused a lot of insecurity in, in my childhood and adolescence early on. And that's something that I had to deal with growing up, as well as having uh, parents who were separated and not having my father as present as I would have liked. liked. This impacted my youth uh, on a very deep level and led to a lot of toxic habits, addictions, toxic relationships. And um, even though I didn't call it men's work at the time, it was men's work that lifted me out of that and allowed me to, to overcome that. And so... You know, I I did live the classic lifestyle of working a nine to five, um, having addictions such as getting drunk and high every weekend, smoking weed on a daily basis just to numb myself, uh, trying to engage in very surface level sexual relationships just to sort of give myself some sort of validation uh, to numb the pain and numb the insecurity, numb that lurking belief in the background that I'm not good enough, I'm not manly enough. And that's the life I used to live. Luckily, I found, um, first I found, you know, mindfulness and, and general self-development. And I eventually found men's work. And that's what sort of lifted me out of this. And long story short, changed my life, you know, allowed me to sort of get back into driver's seat and allow a higher, more empowered, more loving version of myself to, to take charge of my life. First of all, take responsibility and uh, accept that I'm not a victim, but rather I am the one creating this reality that I live. And then secondly, accepting that there's actually a higher purpose in that beyond 
being the manly man who has an expensive car and trophy wife with the Louis Vuitton bag, right? There's, right. there's things beyond that to achieve as a man. And so that mission has taken me on a long journey that we can get into in more detail later if, if you want and if you think that's something that the audience will value. But basically, that's what brought me into being a men's work facilitator that I recognize that I'm not the only one suffering with these, with these issues, with these um, insecurities and these self-doubts, uh, that this is a phenomenon in our Western world and perhaps a global phenomenon and that we need a lot of help in this area and so I dedicated uh, a few years to becoming a coach and developing a coaching practice, which eventually shifted to men's work that I've done for a couple of years. And um, the natural evolution of that was me starting to work with fellow men's coaches as well, as I got approached from people that wanted to develop their practice, that wanted to develop it as a business as well. And so that's how I ended up here, still being a men's work facilitator. That's still something that I do even though my focus has shifted to being a consultant to fellow men's coaches and facilitating, facilitating containers where uh, we develop those uh, leadership <clears throat> qualities. Um, it's all just work that I'm very passionate about and, and, and really excited about to be doing. Wow, I'm so happy to hear that. That was a beautiful description of somebody who I believe is making an impact in the world. And it's, it's the thing that hit me the most, if you can believe that, there was a lot that I can resonate with. And I think most men can at least resonate with one part of that story. You know, um, for me, it was just like adding more love into the world. It was just like adding more like healthy masculine into the world. It just, it feels so good to imagine that as a, as a future. So I can resonate with that very deeply. Now, in just a minute, I want to have an explanation of what healthy masculine qualities are, what it looks like in action and how to develop these. But before we get into that, I would actually love if you're open, um, to go and share a little bit of a vulnerability with us of one of the more painful mm -hmm. moments of your life in your story. Mm. Maybe, maybe the one say addiction or one specific moment or one feeling like insecurity or shame mm -hmm. that drove you the mm -hmm. most into masculinity for me, mm -hmm. this is my journey. I actually haven't shared this on air. Um, but just, just mm -hmm. to create the space here has been sure. shame. Um, shame for me was the emotion that drove me into masculinity because I, I had this, this sort of underlying sense of shame that I, that I am bad, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I was making all these decisions that, that reinforced this idea. I had an eating disorder for many years um, of a food addiction of, of sorts, um, numb myself with, with um, drugs and alcohol on the weekends. And it was a very toxic lifestyle. And I didn't know why I was doing this. And I didn't know that this actually came back down to me wanting to get my daddy's love that I wanted to prove mm. myself to my dad, that I ended up going from the drug route to the achiever route and end up going for money, traveling, things of that nature, also to prove my dad uh, that I am yeah. enough. Hey dad, look at me, look mm. at me, you know, I'm over here. Um, and, and what I learned about shame from in my journey was that when we feel shame, we go either less than human or more than human. We either go the addiction mm. route or we go the achiever route. And, mm. I, and I ended up doing both. But for me, that drove me so much because neither of those fulfilled me. Neither of those made mm -hmm. me feel good. Mm -hmm. And it just drove yeah. me into the search for more. And like you, I didn't know I was doing masculine or men's work at the time, but it's what it was. And then I found out that word later because dude, where mm -hmm. we grew up, I grew up in Canada, but I can feel it similar. Mm -hmm. We didn't grow up with men's work circles at our schools. We didn't grow up with right. any stuff. So I don't mm -hmm. think we really knew. And most men listening don't have that resource or don't know that these sorts of tools are available. 
Um, and anyways, yeah. that, that shame, that feeling is what drove me into men's work, but I'd love to hear for you what your painful moment or feeling was that drove you to this work. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, man. It's, uh, it's always comforting, comforting to hear that, uh, even though, you know, I'm from Hungary and you're from Canada. And I think the audience listening might be from anywhere between, you know, North America or Europe or Australia or, or Asia or wherever Dubai. that we sh- or Dubai. Okay. Yeah. Bali. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that we share so many elements in this, you know, that this is a global generational unfolding of trauma and, and evolution of consciousness. Those two things go hand in hand. And, 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 you know, I can relate to so much um, in, in what you just said. It, I was definitely also seeking my dad's approval in a lot of what I did before I sort of raised my awareness. And who knows? You know, it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing practice. Yes. Maybe I still do a lot of those things. Yes. Um, but to share something vulnerable and something more personal, I would say that probably a very big milestone in my journey was, um, a previous relationship where I received a massive, massive reality check. Um, this was when I already thought that I had my shit together. You know, I feel like this goes in stages. It's not like once you get into men's work, once you get into self-growth, uh, then, you know, you read a few books, you read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and you're <laughs> set, you're good, you know? Right. Meditate 10 minutes a day, you're set, you're good. You solved all your life's problems. It's, uh, it's definitely not like that. So, I had already done those things um, at the time of, of this story unfolding. I would moved to Barcelona, Spain, which is where I live right now. It's my favorite city in the world. I love it here. So that was a little mini achievement there. You know, I was working a decent job in sales. Uh, I started date. I, I had my first kind of more serious relationship as a young adult. Um, and I didn't know at the time, but I was settling in basically every area of my life even though I was already doing the work. So this was at a time when I had a meditation practice, a yoga practice. I was reading self-development books. Um, and I was, I was dating a woman that I was, you know, I found very attractive. I was really into her. I thought that I loved her. And, um, and we were living in this apartment near the beach here in Barcelona. I was working at this like exciting young startup. It all had, it had this vibe of, hmm, I got this. I, you know, I pulled things together. I, I got it. I achieved something great here. And what I didn't realize at the time was that, for example, I was settling for a job in sales because I was too afraid to pursue what I really loved. And what I really loved was facilitating yoga and mindfulness, well, spaces for yoga and mindfulness to be practiced, even at that time. I wasn't a certified teacher in either of those things, but I knew that was my passion. I kept putting that off because I thought I'm not ready yet. It's not safe for me. It's not okay for me. I don't have permission to step into this and start practicing this. Um, I was ignoring a lot of red flags in my relationship, a lot of jealousy, a lot of possessiveness. I was simply ignoring because again, I was scared that if I let go of this, this girl who was very attractive and very sort of, you know, was giving me a lot of validation and I felt very, um, felt a lot of status just from being with her. Mm. I felt like if I was to let her go, as I intuitively felt like I should because of the red flags, then I wouldn't be able to find another woman who was this into me. So both in my job and in my relationship and in my lifestyle, I thought I had it all together, but really I was settling in major, major ways. And this was causing an inner conflict 
And this inner conflict was manifesting in my relationship uh, that became very, very toxic. It's, um, it was one of the biggest learning experiences of my life. It became one of those, you know, those relationships you see on like a rom-com movie, <laughs> like, you, yes. you, you know, your, your girlfriend is not letting you go out with the guys. She gets mad at you for, make, for making small talk with the cashier. Uh, you get mad at her for the kind of music she listens to. Just the kind of, you know, just the typical, really deeply toxic relationship, which basically led to, um, to, to my partner at the time cheating on me with a much older, much wealthier, much more powerful man um, that actually was a, a part owner of the company that we both worked at. And um, the interesting thing about this was um, that this was all of my insecurities coming to life. You know, this was all the insecurities of I'm not good enough. I'm not um, wealthy enough. I'm not powerful enough. I have to settle. And then even this woman, I'm, in, I'm at risk of her leaving me for a more powerful, more masculine man. And the funny thing was that this fear actually manifested this into reality, you know, because I was acting out of fear. I made all these choices. I settled. I became complacent out of fear. Those fears came to life and became my reality. And of course, that was, uh, without playing the victim here, that was an absolutely heartbreaking moment when she went traveling and I suspected that something was wrong. And when she got back for a month, month, uh, month of traveling, uh, she had broke the news for me that, yes, she had cheated on me. And that was the first time in my life that even though I've gone through all of this self-development work, um, I broke down and I had multiple panic attacks. In fact, I had, I had panic attacks through the next week or 10 days. I had like uncontrollable like spasms of like crying and breaking down. And yeah, it was, it was very sad because, you know, on one hand, I saw the life that I was building that I felt validated by in front of me just crumble. On the other hand, I saw all of my insecurities getting a big yes. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're not good enough. <laughs> no woman, no woman would stay with me ever. Yep, that's that's absolutely right. <laughs> see? See that rich guy? He just stole your girl. Yep, that's that's exactly how yes. it is. Right? So all of those insecurities were validated. And interestingly, Interestingly, the way, so this was, a, this was a reality check for me because I realized that the journey never ends. I thought that I had my shit together and then I was challenged by life. Life said, hey, do you really? Let's see. And what was very interesting is that this is also a milestone in the relationship between me and my father, who was one of the men in my life. We were not that close at the time. We had gotten a lot closer since. But this event actually brought us closer because he was one of, one of the few men in my life who could relate to this. You know, being, a, being an older man who's gone through a lot of things in life, he could relate to this. And he was one of the men who, who counseled me through it and gave me some guidance and gave me support. And so I came out on the other side with some of the most valuable lessons um, that I'd ever learned. And if anything, all it did was push me deeper into self-growth and, and spiritual work and it made me stop settling you know that's when I decided that I'm done working the regular office sales jobs that I was doing 
that's when I decided that I'm absolutely done settling um, with the relationships in my life. And since then, I've, I've forgiven my ex. You know, I, took, I, took, I take full ownership of the mistakes that I made in the relationship. I don't blame her whatsoever. I hold no, no grudge or no hard feelings towards her or towards, um, towards the, uh, the other man in this uh, dramatic love triangle. Um, I've let go and I've, and I've forgiven everyone. And I've forgiven myself. And what I take, took away from that experience was extremely valuable lessons that I am integrating to this day and teaching and sharing any opportunity that I get. Wow, brother. Um, wow, that's a beautiful story. And I, I, have to, I would have to guess that what came out of this was a blessing despite the experience being extraordinarily painful and dude, my, my heart was going out to you hearing that story. Like I'm sure many men can relate to that as well. It's a, like just all those dynamics in play, um, all the insecurities on display being confirmed. I, I, I have so much empathy for that. So thank, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. I can't imagine how painful it was, but at the same time, despite it was painful, it was also a huge blessing mm -hmm. in big part because you didn't play the yeah. victim. You decided to make it a blessing. I want to honor you for that. Right. But also right. because like there was a gift in there, there was a blessing to be found. Uh, and you, you kind of like, you, you picked up your shovel, man. And you started digging for that blessing. You started looking for that blessing and, and you yeah. found it. And now you're living the life of your dreams. So just a reminder generally for people, like when we have things happen to us, they don't always have to be like really shitty and have to really fuck us over. They can actually be blessings. Yeah. So, cause that's one of the worst things. If you, you can go through this situation and come out finding deeper purpose and finding more happiness mm -hmm. from like one of the most painful situations, all of us men can conjure up. Um, mm -hmm. then, you know, we can do a lot better. So um, thank you for sharing that. Now I'm curious as far as healthy masculine qualities, what mm -hmm. do you think was lacking in your life? Um, mm -hmm. at the time when you were going through your growth period and, mm -hmm. and which qualities do you think are the most important for, the collective masculine to develop more like where where are we messing up the most in our masculine quality great question man yeah th thank you for the acknowledgement and i just want to say to kind of like put uh, a period at the end of this this topic uh, is that this was the best thing that ever happened to me you know so i share this story often on podcasts and even in personal conversations and it's not because I want to be like, boo-hoo, I got cheated on, poor me, and uh, life sucks, and I hate my ex. Because I know that's an angle that our human nature would have a tendency to take on. So easy. The so whole, easy to go that route. Right? Right? <laughs> the, whole, the, whole, the whole fuck my ex culture is like really, it's really sad. Yes. Um, God bless my ex. You know, shout out to my ex. Thank you. Yes. You know, I'm, sending, I'm sending you love. I'm sending gratitude. I hope you're well. Uh, I take full ownership. I take full responsibility. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of what, uh, like triggers to call the transformation in my life. You know, maybe, maybe getting engaged to my current fiance is, is, is even better, but you know, one of the best things that ever happened. To me. Uh, so congratulations. That. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Man. Thank you. Um, yeah. And of course that couldn't happen. My current relationship couldn't happen right. without this past relationship. Right. right? So, um, but yeah, coming back to healthy masculine qualities and what was lacking and what is lacking overall in, in, um, in, our, in our manhood today, I always, well, not always, but you know, as I got into men's work, I started defining 
masculinity as a type of energy that initiates, penetrates, and leads. That, that's what masculine energy does. And I think that as a man, you have to embody all of those qualities. So you have to initiate, right? The, you, you cannot be in a reactionary state. You cannot always be reacting, right? You have to initiate and you have to start. Um, and you also have to penetrate, which sounds very sexual, but that's no coincidence because, you know, our sexuality, that's a huge part of our life. That's the main motivation behind a lot of the actions that we do on a daily basis as human beings. And as a man, the same energy that you have in your sexuality where you, you are, you know, most men, we're, we're a bit more on the dominant side. We are the ones, you know, pushing through obstacles and penetrating the resistance. You have to penetrate through your own excuses. You know, you have to penetrate through your own tendency of wanting to be the victim. And lastly, you have to lead, right? Like you have to embody that loving, compassionate leader. You have to embody that wholesome king in order to live a truly fulfilling life. And I think that in this past relationship, and I, I don't even want to focus on the relationship. I want to focus on the lifestyle, right? Which was a lifestyle of like hurt boyhood and fragile masculinity. So I was just living behind this mask, hiding all of these wounds and just hoping like, fingers crossed, I don't get exposed for being the insecure little bitch I am. You know, that, that's really, that was really the, the inner narrative uh, yes. behind all of this. What was lacking was initiation, definitely. You know, I was not, when I felt like, hmm, something is wrong here with my job, with my relationship, with my lifestyle. I, I didn't go further than that. I had the thought and I was like, suppress, suppress, suppress. Right. Um, I didn't penetrate through the excuses. You know, I let the excuses sit there. I'm like, well, this relationship will be good enough for me. This job will be good enough, will be good enough for me. This life will be good enough for me. This, this is what I got. This is the hand I got dealt. This is what it is. I didn't penetrate through that. And I didn't act as the leader of my own reality. So, so that's where I was lacking in these healthy masculine qualities. And I think that in our current, you know, it's hard to say, because who am I? Who am I to, to pass judgment over where we are as humanity and as society? You know, I'm, I'm not um, in possession of some all-encompassing database of what sort of actions today's men are, are, are committing. I just see what I see. You know, I see everything from my own little limited and selfish perspective. So I want to say what I say with a lot of humility and awareness that this is not like an objective reality. This is the reality that I see and the reality that I live in. But the reality that I see and that I live in is a reality where men are living in their herd boyhood more than they are living in their healthy masculinity you know yes. we feel a lot of shame like exactly as you mentioned you know what i think what's what's really the sort of common element in both of our stories and the stories of many many men is the shame yes. is the fear like what if i get exposed what if people find out that i'm not as confident and i'm not as cool and i'm not as in control as i wanted to seem but people cannot find out because if they do then they will know i'm not a real man Right. Yeah. I, 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 I just want to quickly hop in before you continue, which is uh, in my experience and hearing stories from other men, but really deeply my own experience is the, the hiding, the hiding of who we are 
is what often takes us away from our, our presence, our penetration, so to speak. And I, and I yeah. found for myself, like when I'm working so hard to be liked by other people, or if I'm working so hard to, um, to, to try to be funny, or if I'm working so hard to just, to just be something else than who I am, mm-hmm. that energy is like, I'm, I'm, it's taking away from my presence that I can use to penetrate the moment, whether it's with my woman, whether it's in business, whether it's with an emotion I'm experiencing, a social situation mm-hmm. at work. And for me, like I find some of the greatest work we can do is because everybody has shame. If you don't have shame, you're basically like a sociopath who like has no connections in your life. Like to have human connection is to have some shame, you know? And so like, yeah. I feel like as men, we aren't, we're not taught that we can go into shame. We're very like, we're really not allowed to go into shame as men. Like some things like personal growth is becoming more popular. We can get into some of the masculine stuff. Like we can become more like, you know, um, not, not overly controlling, but we can become more like disciplined or like structured and we can do that. But when it comes to developing more feminine qualities, that's where I think a lot of men um, are off balance. And it's, it's kind of what you're talking mm-hmm. about, how feeling this shame, feeling like you need to go inside yourself and heal some stuff, maybe cry, mm-hmm. express an emotion, whatever it may be. What I'm mm-hmm. hearing from you is that that's not okay in most cultures and it wasn't okay in yours. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm, I'm really glad, glad that you brought that up because we've been talking talking about masculine qualities and um and often in men's work and in these conversations feminine feminine energy is a little bit forgotten about because we talk so much about toxic masculinity versus healthy masculinity and and we often forget to talk about the balance between masculine and feminine in fact i've noticed that in the manosphere a lot of men um talk about the feminine as if it was a bad thing as if having feminine yes. energy as a man was a bad thing. It's like, oh, the feminine men of today. And then you pause and you think, is it really the problem? Is femininity really the problem? Because there was always a space in society for feminine men. That was never an issue, you know? I, in fact, I think that everyone, to break it down a little bit, in my understanding, uh, and this is a paradigm that has brought a lot of a great results to myself and to people that I was working with or just, you know, friends and family that I was kind of consulting on this. Um, we are all born with our own unique mix of masculine and feminine energy. So if you want to be rational about it and define it in numbers, like, you know, I'm 70% this and 30% that you can, but you don't even need to. It's, it's absolutely fine to just raise your awareness and become aware of your natural tendencies that are not necessarily your weaknesses, but rather just your innate human qualities. And understanding those and removing the shame, removing the expectation, remove that this should be like this can actually free up a lot of your potential. Um, you know, for example, accepting that I'm definitely not a classic manly man, you know, uh, in, the, in the sense that I do have a lot of feminine qualities. Uh, and some of the sort of tangible examples of that without going to spiritual and after would be like, I love plants and cooking and yoga, which is which are all things that in today's paradigm, those are considered feminine things for some reason. You know, I love fashion. I love footwear. I love all these things that, you know, men maybe 30 years ago, 50 years ago, be like, oh, that's a woman's interest, right? But you got to embrace that because if I tell myself that's feminine, that's bad, I have to suppress this from my identity because I have to be a manly man. 
then all that does is that it plants this seed of shame in my consciousness. And that seed of shame grows and grows and becomes this, this system of weeds that has just spread throughout my entire identity. And it becomes an insecurity and it becomes doubt. And instead, I personally choose to embrace all of those things and accept, yes, I am perhaps feminine in many ways. And, you know, behind this kind of funny interest that I mentioned, what really is there is the desire to share compassion and yes. nourish and take care. You know, these are all feminine qualities that us men need. And I also embrace that next to that, I also love martial arts and I love working out. And yes. my sexuality is like very dominant and very masculine, but the two things can go hand in hand and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And there's nobody holding a gun to my head and saying, no, you have to abide by some traditional view or understanding of masculinity. In fact, I think that if we were all just doing awareness work, you know, becoming more aware of like, okay, well, what is intuitively, what is, what are those qualities that are already within you? If you feel ashamed about them, just put that to the side for a moment. But how could you tap into those and pursue those and, and nourish those and grow those in a way that they bring you more fulfillment? Because we all have this mix and there's nothing wrong with a man being very much on, uh, on the masculine pole of the scale and having no interest in plants and tea parties and, and yoga. That's absolutely fine. You don't have to, right? And there's nothing wrong with a man being on the absolute other side of the scale and having zero interest in, you know, the sort of boom, 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 push through macho man sort of energy, right? We just all have our unique mix. And instead of, you know, people trying to force their own definition, oh no, that's toxic masculinity and we have to be healthy masculine and the healthy masculine is like this, or no, 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 masculinity is good and we have to be less feminine and feminine men are bad. Instead of this war between the two sides, how about we just accept what unites us, which is our humanity, our unique um, <clears throat> code of what are these feminine and masculine qualities that we embody, just accepting ourselves and accepting everyone else who all has their unique code, and then working together to further, further humanity. Really, really all that is, really that is the only way that I can see uh, a way forward. Yes. And um, th this is so powerful, by the way, like what you just shared. And I think that another thing that unites us and what I'm very passionate about lately in the masculinity space is our ability to choose. We, are, we, are, mm. we have free will. What does masculinity mm -hmm. mean to you? Not, right. not what does this men's coach say? This is masculinity. Then you go to the next men's coach. He's like, no, this is masculinity. Don't, you know, don't be too feminine because, you know, women don't like that, you know, in bed or, but then mm -hmm. you go to the next guy, he's like, well, women, they, they love a guy who can be soft and nurturing. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. it, and they're all fine. There's nothing wrong with any of those. But I'm like, if you're talking about what, what unites us as humans, I think what makes us unique compared to all the other animals on this planet as humans is our ability to choose our free will. We don't mm. just have instincts like the other animals. You know, we, we have free will to, to override our instincts to make different choices. And so for mm -hmm. me, when I'm thinking about masculinity, I'm thinking about what does masculinity mean for me? I heard this from um, Justin Baldoni. He hosts the Man Enough podcast and he, he's taught, he's big on this. He's very big on what does masculinity mean to you? And, and I want to bring that up because I think a lot of men can be very confused and no matter what definition they're hearing from which coach, no matter how good hearted the coach is, 
They're still trying to reach mm-hmm. an ideal and oftentimes still trying to prove themselves by reaching an ideal instead of starting from their base and being like, what does masculinity mean for me? So at least when they go for the goal yeah. to try to grow, they don't feel like it's inauthentic. They at least can enjoy their journey to masculinity through masculinity because it's something that's theirs. They're not trying to reach yeah. a standard that they feel like they need to hit to feel something. So mm-hmm. I'm very passionate mm-hmm. about this. And it makes me think that a lot of masculinity and men's coaching really is what I consider authenticity coaching. I really mm. believe that stepping into our authenticity is the answer to many, many questions that come up during, during a men's coaching session. You're, you're very happy to see it, hear that. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. <laughs> Man, you took the words right out of my mouth and you said it, you said it better than I could have. Authenticity. You know, that is so true. No matter what your definition of masculinity is or where you find you fitting into the world as a man where you find connecting with manhood it really doesn't matter what matters is that you have full acceptance of it and that you've made peace with it and the interesting thing is that after a certain amount of work and raising your awareness and and practicing self-love towards your place in the world world as a man it even stops becoming this is a little bit ironic but to be honest, I don't spend a lot of time reflecting on my, on my masculinity anymore, you know, mm. because now it has become just an intuitive sort of mm. natural expression of who I am. And I don't really pause, you know, I used to have to because I didn't, I, I was, I was in a very sort of low awareness paradigm. I didn't even know what masculinity and femininity stood for. I didn't know how they manifested in my personality. I didn't know um, what I did out of external pressure or seeking validation and what I did out of authenticity. But the truth is that once you reach a certain level and you reach a certain level of self-love, it's not that you need to stop practicing. Like we said, you know, it's not that you just meditate 10 minutes a day and everything is fixed. Um, It's not like you just reach that level and you're good for life or anything like that. But let's say that my understanding or my, my sort of uh, self-reflection practice has shifted from what does masculinity mean for me and how can I express my warrior or my king or my lover? It has shifted to just how can I be the most authentic me? How can I just remove all shame and all obstacles that are in the way of my self-expression and me just living my highest purpose, Right. Because yes. there does not necessarily need to be a rational breakdown, a psychological breakdown of your identity in it, even though that is a stage of development, right? You can just fully be it and fully live it uh, in, in acceptance and self-love. And what you said about authenticity, you know, that was a huge, huge element of my coaching as well. When I was a men's coach, I was always talking about authentic confidence. But really, those were just fancy words for you really bring it down to its core, it's self-love. You know, mm. what it is, is being able to say, I love myself, is being able to dance when you hear music that you like and yeah. not feeling shame. It's being able to hug the people that you love without having to pat them on the back to give an excuse to why you're hugging them. You know, it's really being able to like squeeze them really tight and yeah. tell them, I love you. You know, it's being able to look your friends and family and loved ones in your eyes, uh, in, in, in your eye, <laughs> in their eyes, yes. in your eye as well, yeah, something you share, but and, and being, being able to say, hey, I love you, I appreciate you, 
I got you. We're in this journey together. Um, I value, you know, these are all the things that really come from self-love and all these structures of identities and psychology and things that we have around it. These are, you know, rational thought structures that are really good sort of guiding handrails on the climb. But once you get to the peak, it's, it's just self-love. It's just a practice, daily practice of self-love constantly in order to keep you in that flow. Wow. There is so much of that I resonate with. And um, uh, wow. Um, if, if we had more time, I would dive into this for like literally another two hours with you, brother. Like I have no, no word of a lie. I, I feel such flow with you. Thank speaking. you, man. And, um, I appreciate it. Yeah. Likewise, man. Love, love, it's a lovely conversation. I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah. Well, I, I can feel your passion. I can see why you do the work you do, but um, just to stick to time here, cause I want to be respectful. Um, I would mm. like to ask you one final question, which is if you had to explain your biggest lesson in your masculinity journey in one sentence, what would that be in one sentence? Ooh, wow. Great question. This is a very challenging question. Yes. <laughs> if I had to explain the, my biggest lesson, you know, it's so hard because this is something I expressed earlier on is that I always want to be aware of how limited my perspective is, you know? Yeah. So the biggest lessons that are coming up right now for me are, are my lessons from last year, this past year, you know, obviously we are recording this on the 31st of, of December, you know, we're coming to the last day of the year. These reflections are very fresh. So I'm not sure if this would be the biggest lesson that I've ever learned, but perhaps the one that's coming up right now. Uh, and this, this might seem a little bit unrelated, a little bit abstract, but bear with me. So the greatest lesson that I've learned is that true spirituality is not the lack of rational thinking or not something that comes before rational thinking, but true spirituality is post-rational. It's something that is achieved through and is beyond rational thinking. Mm. Wow. This, dude, this that, sounds that, a little bit complex right now, dude, but that's that's what came up. I love you and I hate you because I want to dive deeper into that, but um, I'm going to end our, our podcast uh, right there. That triggered me though, big time for me to like think about that more, what you just shared. Um, irrational thinking comes before spirituality. That that idea just, just makes me feel things. So um, yeah, well, I, you know, I, to, to, mm-hmm. no, I, I just want to give like a, one more, a little taste. Yeah, yeah, you go. Yeah, I wanted to give like a tiny bit of context and I hope that I'm not taking uh, too much of your valuable time. But for the audience who's listening and they're like, what the hell? The reason I wanted to share this is because there's a tendency currently in sort of like spiritual and esoteric circles or about self-growth and stuff to, to abandon the rational and be like, it's all about intuition. It's all about spirit. The rational mind is all about fear and you don't need the rational mind and you don't need to think anymore. You just need to feel. I think that there's a lot of this sort of notion out there. Have yeah. you have you come across this as well? Uh, I live in Bali where everyone's like spirituality is like the truth and like the mind is like yes. the enemy man, you know? So yes, Exactly, definitely. exactly. The monkey man, et cetera. And there's some truth to that. But my biggest lesson this year was that these two things work together and that the rational mind is not the enemy. It's not evil. It's just another tool for spirit to evolve. And there's something even beyond uh, the rationality that is like even 
closer to spirit. That, 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 was my, that was my big lesson this year. So that's what I wanted to share. That's all. <laughs> that's gorgeous. I, I, uh, it's, it's beautiful. I can see how excited you are about that specific topic. Just seeing it in your face. That's, uh, that's awesome, man. Um, so uh, I just want to finish off by saying thank you. And I, I genuinely really appreciate the work you do. I shared a, a little bit of my story, but going through what I went through, what so many men have went through, it's just like, this is such important work. It's why we both do it. You know, it's why we're both interested in these, and we're having these conversations. So just, I'm, I'm just very grateful to have spent this time with you. It's such a worthwhile way of spending time. So um, really appreciate you and wishing you well on your journey. And is there any place where the people that are listening, especially men who are interested mm -hmm. in getting some coaching or some more information where they could find you mm -hmm. online? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Brett, thank you so much, man. I really love being on this podcast and also really appreciate you and the work that you do. Uh, for those of you listening that want to find out a little bit more about my work, maybe you're also a men's work facilitator, men's coach, and you want to further your practice and business, or you're just curious about what I do, you can find me on Instagram at the Martin Mazei. That's Martin with an I, classic Martin Mazei is spelled M-E-Z-E-I. And you can also find me on my website, which is mindfulmasculinity.org. Beautiful. Thank you. And I'll, I'll link those below. Um, so everyone can go click below. So it's easy. Um, although you spelled it out. Um, so maybe you remembered, but um, anyways, um, yeah, thank you. And thank you everyone for watching. This is another amazing episode of the life like a movie podcast, focusing on masculinity this week, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks everyone for coming along. Thank you.